This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. Today is Friday, December 17th, 2021. I'm Jason Breifel from Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. This week, we're sitting down with Fed Forum Partners. For those that may not know, Fed Talk's sister newsletter, Fed Manager, provides federal sector news, legislative insights, and case law updates for the federal community in their inboxes every Tuesday for free. In the last year, Fed Manager newsletter launched the Fed Forum, a space for federal employee associations to share resources, activities, and events with the broader federal community. This week, I'm so glad to be joined by a few of our Fed Forum partners to discuss the importance of employee-focused partnership, their work in 2021, and what's to come in 2022. So let's introduce some of our guests here today. Uh, first, uh, joining me from the Nationalians, NAFV, is Executive Vice President Joseph Anelli. NAFV is an advocate for veterinarians in federal service, emphasizes professionalism and expertise in federal service while promoting continuing education, teamwork, and a standard of excellence. Joe, thank you so much for being here and representing NAFV. You're quite welcome. This is an honor to be be here and particularly with our other partners. Awesome, Joe. Again, thank you so much. Uh, Next, we have Alice Mercer. She's the chairperson with Blacks in Government, big. Big advocates for employment and general welfare of Black people in local, state, and federal government and maintains a national network of Black government professionals. Thank you for joining us on Fed Talk, Alice. Good morning, and hello to all of our other partners. I bring you greetings from Blacks in Government, the uh, our national president, the Honorable Shirley A. Jones, and our chairman of the board, the Honorable Gary M. Gary Blackman. And we are so excited to be here. And as Jason said, I am a chairperson. I chair the Affirmative Employment Equal Opportunity Committee for Blacks in Government. And we're just so excited to be here and share this podcast. Really appreciate you being here with us, Alice, and and for BIG, for all that the organization does for for professionals across the country. Uh, Our next guest from the National Academy of Public Administration, we have Brenna Isman. She's the Director of Academy Studies. NAPA is well known in the federal community for helping government leaders solve their most critical management challenges. Welcome, Brenna. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here with the other guests and uh, just remind folks that, yes, uh, we are NAPA, but we have nothing to do with the spark plugs or the wine, unfortunately. Um, but we're really excited to be part of this conversation. Uh, so thanks again for having me. Awesome, Brenna. Thanks so much for, for you being here and, and for NAPA for all you do. 
And to round out our panel, I'm happy to welcome back to the program, Chad Hooper, the Executive Director of the Professional Managers Association, PMA. PMA is a national membership association representing the interests of professional managers, management officials, and non-bargaining unit employees in the federal government and at the Internal Revenue Service. It's great to have you back, Chad. Thank you, and good morning, everyone. Uh, before we dive in, I want to remind our listeners that FedTalk is brought to you by the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program. The Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program is sponsored by the U.S. Office of Personnel Management, insured by John Hancock Life and Health Insurance Company under a group long-term care insurance policy, and administered by Long-Term Care Partners, LLC, doing business at Fed, as FedPoint. To learn more, visit them at www.ltcfeds.com today. Well, again, uh, I'm so excited to dive into our conversation here today. Brenna, Alice, Chad, and Joe, uh, we gave a, a really tiny teaser on, on your organizations in, in our intro. And for our listeners who might not be aware of your organizations, I'd just like to invite um, each of you to, to talk a little bit more about your organization and why connecting these dots with other organizations um, was something that your organizations were interested in and, and, and part of why you participated in our uh, Fed Forum. Uh, to, get, to get us going, Alice, um, please tell us a little bit more about BIG. Thank you, Jason. Blacks in Government was founded in 1975 by a group of Black employees at the den, at, at that time known as uh, Health, Education, and Welfare Department. And they were sitting around talking about all of the injustices and the discrimination in the workplace and basically focus on uh, Blacks in Government. And so they came together and formed the organization. It stemmed from 22 uh, people sitting around and to 11 regions and over 6,000 members today. And our goals and objectives as they were then continue to be, to be an advocate um, for equal rights and to be able to eradicate uh, discrimination and racism to develop um, professional uh, to develop uh, personal development in individuals career and I get so excited when I'm talking about our goals and objectives and to have a, a mechanism of sharing information as well as being a nonpartisan organization we are devoted to uh, assisting our members and non-members. And it's key for us to be a partner with uh, like-minded or other organizations so that we can share what we stand for, what we're about, and to increase our membership and to help others increase their membership and form partnerships to accomplish our goals and objectives as well as theirs. And uh, being a part of this platform, we are able to reach audience that we would not necessarily be able to. And so we, we thank you all for inviting us to be a partner. Thanks so much, Alice, for, for filling us in a little bit more about the history of BIG. And, you know, Joe, I want to invite you in next because I think there's a common trait 
with with you with with PMA and and big in that your your professional organization serving uh, a unique constituency in your case federal veterinarians. Yeah, thank you, Jason. <clears throat> the the interesting thing when people think about veterinarians, they think dogs and cats, and they don't think about veterinarians working for the federal government and have no clue what they do. Uh, there are three thousand veterinarians that work for the federal government. Um, and all of them affect everyone's life every day. Uh, so what, what we're looking to do at NAFE is to improve the recognition and awareness of what fed, federal vet, veterinarians do to benefit society. So uh, one of the things that we don't have to worry about is whether or not our, uh, our food is going to make us sick. And one of the reasons for that is there are food safety standards that are enforced by federal veterinarians so that diseases that people can uh, contract are not getting through the food safety system to them. They're being stopped before, before it gets to the consuming public. The other thing that people forget about is COVID-19 not only affects humans, but it likely originated from an animal source and one of the things that federal veterinarians are doing is monitoring the status of animals looking for COVID-19. There have been 108 cats diagnosed with COVID-19, 93 dogs diagnosed with COVID-19. So the challenge there is making sure that it is the person infecting the animal and not the other way around. And that has been the case uh, all along. So we've been around for 103 years. Uh, NAFE started in 1918. And um, I, I think I should probably leave it there in terms of working with these other groups. We'll talk a little bit more about that because the, the coalition is, is terribly important to the work that we do. Well, Joe, uh you know, glad to have you here. And, you know, I want to say here on the show, thank you to to the work that you and your members do, as you said, to keep our food supply safe as people are sitting down to, to holiday dinners over the next several uh, weeks. I hope folks will keep that um, in mind. Uh, we've got a pause here for our first break, and then I'm going to bring Chad Hooper in from, from PMA and Brenna Isman in, and we'll talk about some of the meteor issues that each of these organizations are focusing on after our first break and a word from our sponsor. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're returning our discussion with our Fed Forum partners. Uh, and I wanted to, to bring Chad Hooper into this from the Professional Managers Association just to, to share a little bit more about who PMA is and what you're focused on as, as a professional organization. And then and then to talk a little bit about, you know, what's what's been uh, the most important issue that you and PMA have been focused on here this year. 
Thanks, Jason. Uh, yeah, so we at the Professional Managers Association uh, have been around for 40 years now. We were established in 1981 by a group of IRS managers. Um, and IRS managers don't have a lot of advocates. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the work that our members do um, touches everyone's lives every day. Um, and it's just been um, really important for us to promote uh, their interests both within the agency um, and as well across the sector um, by partnering with organizations like everyone here on this call um, to advance the cause of the civil service, but then also um, really digging in on our legislative brief um, to make sure that the IRS is functioning for all taxpaying Americans. Um, our members are really passionate about having a well-functioning, efficient, and equitable tax system. And right now we're a little hamstrung. Um, so we've been focused on that. Um, and we'll talk more, I'm sure, a little bit later about exactly how hamstrung. Uh, but just really excited to be here. Um, really excited for our partnership um, and our friends at BIG um, and everyone else here at Fed Forum. Thank you. Thanks so much, Chad. Um, Brenna uh, from Napa, you know, I think folks are are familiar in general with the Academy, but I think one of the things that's interesting is, is this kind of dual role as a congressionally chartered Academy, but you also have members, your fellows. Um, and, and so you have direction, uh, people asking you of things, but you have this, this uh, incredible cast of thought leaders who, who are among your fellowship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it, it's often an interesting um, scenario we find ourselves in that we're working with a number of partners, the theme of, of, of this discussion. Um, but uh, we're a nonpartisan, non nonprofit, as, as you mentioned, Jason, we were chartered back in, in 1984. So we do have that unique opportunity to respond to requests. Uh, um, often uh, congressional committees will, will direct agencies to work with us on a, a management challenge. Um, we do also partner with agencies as well as, as other uh, levels of government um, to work on challenging issues that come our way um, as well. I think, the, as you mentioned, though, that the fellows are really the, the unique qualifier in this. Um, they are uh, nominated by their peers, thought leaders in in all areas of public administration. We have four former cabinet officers, members of Congress, mayors, state legislators, as well as um, academics, um, nonprofits, associations, and private sector folks. Um, and Joe, you'll be happy to know that uh, Dr. Greg Parham is uh, the Assistant Secretary uh, for Administration at USDA right now. Um, and he is a veterinarian. Um, and were it not for the fact that we did some work earlier this year with agricultural research, research services in which uh, Dr. Parham uh, participated on that panel, I probably wouldn't be able to pull up the, the veterinarian in our, our ranks of almost a thousand fellows, but sometimes the, the stars align. Um, yeah, we've been, we've, as I mentioned, we, we've done, we did a, a study with ARS as well as some other um, uh, some studies that were congressionally directed this year that, that garnered a fair, fair amount of attention. 
Um, we were really excited to be able to help uh, OPM think, th think through its role um, as the strategic human capital leader for the federal government, um, as well as just recently developing an assessment and an action plan for the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. Um, both of those studies found their way and some attention uh, in, in a number of, of media pieces, which is it's always uh, very um, exciting and rewarding for us that we get the, this, the professional study staff gets to work closely with the panel of fellows, experts who are able to identify and provide some really action-oriented um, recommendations to, to move these organizations forward as well as, as continuing to be able to partner with organizations like SEA on our shared services uh, leadership coalition work, um, and uh, additionally partnering with a number of other organizations looking at issues such as uh, applying agile government principles, uh, agile software uh, principles to government, um, and thinking through um, important areas like social equity, uh, working with our panel, um, standing panel on social equity, um, and some other more mission support oriented uh, activities that all really represent the partnership similar to the conversations we're having here today. So looking forward to talking more with the group. Awesome, Brenna. Thanks so much. And, and we'll definitely dig into some of that some more at the end of the program. We'll definitely let our audience know where they can find out more information about um, all of our organizations. Uh, I wanted to take a couple minutes here um, in this segment to talk about some of the topics that we, we covered within the federal forum this year. Um, there have been themes, uh, a central question asked to each of our groups, and there have been several of them, and they're, they're all archived on, on fedmanager.com. And, and one that's, that's, I think, really interesting to me is, is kind of the, the day in the life question. Uh, it can be so different for so many different professionals. Um, but, uh, but Alice from Big, you all gave us an example of uh, Elisa Smith, who was a, a paralegal specialist and, and a coordinator with your, your now generation. Can you share with us uh, a little bit about you know, what she's doing in, in her role with Big? Okay. Uh, as you said, yes, Alicia, she is our now generation coordinator. We are very excited about our now generation. We're talking about the generation that's coming up behind us, the ones that we will be able as we retire to pass the torch to. And so they are definitely uh, movers and shakers. They have been working on... Um, helping our membership prepare for leadership positions through our DYLA uh, coordinator with our future leaders of America, our young people that's in high school and college that's coming up and training them and just pulling it all together. And dealing with the now generation is the generation that is currently in the government who's developing their career path and moving. So she's coordinating activities, networking, addressing issues, ensuring that our organization is aware of issues that are out there, how we can help address those issues and work collaboratively with agencies and partners to develop a united front. And as we go on uh, in today's program, we'll talk about our national training conference, how we work with agencies and other partners 
to address and further the goals and objectives of lights and government. Awesome, Alice. Definitely excited to see the momentum with the Now Generation effort and, and think it's really important that you, you have someone like Alicia filling that, that role. Uh, Chad, you know, wanted to bring you in here just to talk about, you know, what's what's a day in the life of an IRS manager look like? Um, you have people all across the country. Um, how is PMA representing them? What does that look like on a day-to-day basis? It's, uh, I think, a little bit of everything, I think, is uh, what our, you know, what we have put in our piece. Um, you know, we have a very large organization. Um, the IRS manages 550 locations across the world, not not only in the United States. And so, you know, uh, uh, sometimes managing a mail operation, uh, opening envelopes, sometimes they're processing paper tax returns, sometimes um, they're, you know, in DC, um, you know, working on tax policy. Um, and so serving our members is very complicated work. Um, uh, the IRS is also unique in that we have very, um, we have a range of managers and skills. Um, uh, you can enter management at the IRS at the grade five level equivalent. Um, so we have managers that make $15 an hour. Um, and we have managers that are senior executives, you know, so, um, having to pull all of those threads together, um, to be sure that everyone's interests are managed and like heard, uh, that's, um, that's how I spend most of my day. Um, bringing the perspective of field managers, um, into conversations in DC, um, I think is the most important work that we do. Um, it, so it so easily can be lost and forgotten that we do have, you know, managers, you know, at the entry level, um, who are, you know, wanting to develop and have a career path and, uh, be able to, um, successfully manage, you know, administer taxes. Um, you know, I also think about like, even like our walk-in operations, right. Um, you know, we deliver face-to-face customer service in every state and, um, all the American protectorates. So, um, you know, you'll have managers in far-flung places, uh, like Fargo, North Dakota. Um, and, you know, how can I create a career path for that manager um, once they're, you know, once they're there? Uh, and so uh, trying to break down barriers and trying to help the agency think more about how they can um, modernize their perspective on having some distributed teams um, to create opportunities and avenues for managers across the nation or, or candidates across the nation, even the next generation of managers is a huge concern of ours. Um, you know, how can we sort of like broaden uh, the, the playing field here for, uh, for folks to come in um, and, and lead? You know, we want to find the, the best leaders possible. Um, and right now, the IRS's emphasis on on its 10 large processing campuses, its 20 large call centers, um, is sort of limiting our ability to farm talent. Um, and so I think, you know, that's the, and that's our major initiative that we're, you know, working with uh, the agency and the human capital office in the IRS takes that very seriously. Um, so exciting stuff. Um, it's everything you can imagine, Jason, from, you know, dismal government work of filling out forms all the way to, um, you know, getting to do cool stuff like this and and talking to all of you. Um, This is all part of being an IRS manager. 
Thanks so much, Chad. And, you know, several things that you you talked about kind of point to the future of work, not just how, how you're helping support members today, but making sure that they can succeed, you know, into the future. Uh, and, that, and there was that was another one of our, our topics. And um, I wanted to bring Napa and NAFE in on this one um, um, for maybe a minute each before we have to pause and take our next break here. Uh, Brenna, what, what's the Academy looking at uh, in terms of future of work, where their government's going? Um, do you have any projects on that? Um, what's going on with the Academy and the future of work? Yeah, well, we, we're still working very closely with the, the panel and the study team on uh, the OPM report, as I mentioned, um, elevating uh, OPM and, and really trying to reframe what their role as the strategic, uh, independent strategic uh, human capital advisor to the president and, and looking across uh, all agencies um, and beyond Title V, you know, where there's opportunities to be having strategic conversations um, and uh, working uh, to to ensure that the recommendations that the panel put forward might um, will will be implemented. Um, we recently had a conversation with uh, OPM Director uh, Karen Ahuja, and she she talked a lot about the president's management agenda and the the steps they're taking to implement some of those recommendations. We're seeing uh, um, we're also seeing movement um, with potential legislation to support that to make sure that they're enabling. The director to be strategic and allow for her or him to uh, address those issues uh, with the support they need. So we're going to be continuing to watch that, and and most of our studies do have an emphasis on the future of work by the very nature of the assessments that we do. Awesome, thanks so much, Brenna and uh, Joe. Before we we pause here for our our next break, I know that NAFV has has been focused a lot on on supporting federal veterinarians through the pandemic. Now, there's been some lessons learned about how critical these professionals are for our government, but also what we need to do to, to make sure that we don't burn them out um, and, and have new ones coming behind them. You know, can you maybe give us 45 seconds or so on, on what an FE has been and doing there with the profession during the pandemic? Yeah, thank you. The, the, um, when we talk about the future of work, I, I think we can sum that up for us by ensuring recruitment and retention. Uh, the challenge that you may have noticed a year and a half ago was when you went to your grocery store, your meat shelves were not as full as they used to be. And that's because a number of packing plants had to shut, shut down because there were so many employees that were out sick, they weren't able to run those plants. Uh, there were a few of our federal veterinarians that unfortunately succumbed to COVID uh, during the year from being exposed in those sorts of environments. And uh, certainly it's changed the nature of, of a great deal of the work uh, with folks having to, uh, to work more virtually and also conduct inspections uh, somewhat virtually, not uh, food animal inspections, but other inspections that uh, I'm sure the, the IRS has also had issues with keeping offices open and, and having direct public contact and how to, how to manage that. <clears throat> the, um, I guess the other thing that we've learned from COVID is that we, um, we, we need to ensure that we have a stockpile of appropriate personal protective equipment, so things like uh, surgical masks, 
were in short supply early on, and we were not able to provide them to not just the veterinarians, but all of the, uh, the employees that were gonna be in contact with the public. So we, uh, we also need to be looking at our continuity of operations uh, in, a, in a very different sense that uh, there are a critical few number of veterinarians that are absolutely needed to continue the food safety inspection program and, and so on, and that we need to ensure that we build enough um, resilience in that system so that when we have an absenteeism of 30% because of a disease, we've got enough to backfill those positions and keep slaughter plants working and keep other forms of trade. I mean, international trade is a big piece of what veterinarians are responsible for certifying the health of animals. Um, so all of those things will come to a stop if we don't build in resilience in the system. Thanks, Joe. And it, it it's certainly points to kind of the, the reality of where these these kind of personnel challenges meet the rubber meets the road um, at where where mission occurs. And in this case, it's 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 keeping the food supply in the country safe. We've got a pause here to take a, our next break. Um, when we come back uh, with our guests, we're going to talk about how some of these organizations have been bringing their members together to advance their learning and professional development. Uh, you're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. One team working all three branches. Judicial, legislative, executive. Judicial. SB&R employment attorneys offer specialized legal representation for federal managers. Legislative. Lobbyists in government and public affairs advocating for corporate clients. Executive. Produces two free weekly newsletters, Fed Manager and Fed Agent. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth is your one destination for all three branches of government. Online at shawbransford.com. SB&R. Client-focused. Results-driven. Welcome back. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the second half of our show with Fed Forum partners, Chad Hooper of PMA, Brenna Isman of Napa, Alice Mercer of Big, and Joseph Anelli of NAFV. Uh, I want to continue our conversation to talk about some of the big events and activities, big or small events and activities that your organizations have have put on to foster community, uh, to foster professional development. Uh, and learning um, for your members. Uh, Alice, you had mentioned uh, earlier um, the, the the National Big Conference, and, and I know that you also hold uh, regional trainings um, in concert with your chapters. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, that part of Big's mission? Yes, I would be happy to. Each year we have our annual training conference, and it's normally held in August. 
uh, this past year, we had it virtually due to COVID-19, which was the first time that we had done that. And it was very successful. Um, as part of our NTI, which is the National Training Institute, we have, um, we provide CPE credits. We provide uh, the annual refresher certification for EEO counselors and investigations. We um provide all type of career development for our members and non-members. The NTI is open to anyone who would like to attend. Within the NTI, we also have the EEL Institute. This year, we partnered, at, as we do every year, partner with OPM, EEOC, Office of Special Counsel, uh, the Department of Labor, uh, MSPB, so a lot of the enforcement agencies, and they come in and provide workshops on the latest and greatest is what's coming down to the pipe, down the pipe. During this year, NTI, we had COVID. We talked about COVID. We talked about the new executive orders. Um, and uh, OP, here again, our partners with OPM, EELC, uh, Department of Labor, MSPB, and the Office of Special Counsel. So, and we do have regional training conference in all of our region, 11 regions. Um, and they sort of follow the same path. We educate people on career development, on how to address workplace conflict, how to exercise your rights. And it's open to members and non-members. And here again, being a part of this forum, we advertise those on this website, as well as on bignet.org. Okay. Thanks so much for sharing that, Alice. You know, kudos to you and the team at Big for putting these activities on um, and for making them open to non-members as well. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of value in in uh, bringing anyone who wants to come into the fold. Uh, and you mentioned the use of technology to make some of this um, possible. Brenna, I know the Academy uh, has a fall meeting or an annual meeting. And this year you used kind of a, a hybrid approach. Can you tell us a little bit about how that, that went down? Yeah, absolutely. Um, typically we would meet for about two and a half days uh, combination in our office and some, uh, some additional space. Uh, last year, I guess we're in 2021. In 2020, we did an all um, virtual event. And then this year, um, we, we took a, a hybrid approach. As you mentioned, Jason, um, we had a very COVID safe, uh, socially distant, compliant, um, uh, smaller gathering uh, to, to, for our business meeting and to discuss some of uh, uh, the events and welcome a new class of fellows. And then we part partnered with a number of universities who hosted from their sites, um, uh, public administration, schools of public administration and policy. And they took the lead on um, sharing uh, a number of different sessions, uh, um, working in close contact with fellows that are aligned with, with those sites. Um, and the theme of the meeting was uh, tackling the, tw the 12 grand challenges of public administration um, through the lens of uh, intergovernmental partnerships, um, also introducing our new Center for Intergovernmental Partnerships. 
Um, and I think one of the key things here is, you know, we're talking about how this affects uh, federal employees and the, and the federal government. But as we all know, none of this happens in a vacuum. And there's that continuum of, of what happens at the federal level and how it's actually implemented, administered, measured at uh, the state and local level. So we've, we've really already been able to enjoy a lot of um, understanding and learning about what's happening at, at those uh, state and local levels. And we'll continue on that. I think we all missed the the interpersonal interaction, um, of course, but I do think that it's 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 broadened out the net a little bit, and folks that previously wouldn't have attended these events were able to. So, um, in an effort to to focus on the positive, um, I, I anticipate that um, in coming years we will do continue to do some sort of hybrid to kind of try and find as as much of the benefit all the way around. Yeah, thanks so much, Brennan. I agree that it's pulling the good things out of, of this uh, challenging experience um, and using this to drive change is, is certainly a, a nice silver lining. Uh, Joe, I know you uh, and the team at NAFV have uh, continuing education courses and, and career development webinars that you've been um, um, doing through, throughout the pandemic and perhaps before. Can you tell us a little bit more about those? Is that focused specifically on veterinary skills or, or are you covering other areas as well? Um, a lot of it is the veterinary skills, but some of it is, is also the management skills. Um, the uh, one of the, the sort of mantra of NAFV is that we promote professionalism and expertise in federal service while promoting continuing education, teamwork and excellence. So it's, it's that whole combination of what you mentioned. We uh, we have partnered with the American Association of Food Safety, Public Health Veterinarians and with the American Academy of Veterinary Preventive Medicine to put on um, continuing education courses that can also be used. Veterinarians are required to have a certain number of continuing education credits to maintain their license. So we've partnered with those other two organizations to be able to provide them the type of training that they need to get those continuing education credits. Um, the, uh, the other thing that we've done is we've opened up our membership while, while we are the National Association Association of Federal Veterinarians, there are state veterinarians that do similar jobs and, uh, and they work side by side in many cases. So we've expanded our definition of membership to have associate members that are state employed veterinarians. And we've also opened it up to students in veterinary school. So trying to introduce them to regulatory veterinary medicine as early as possible so that they consider the federal government as a first choice of, of employment as they come out of school. And providing that continuing education is one of the things that hopefully draws them in, that they have the opportunity to get advanced degrees working with the federal government, and that they have continuing education opportunities that, uh, that come their way as well. Thanks so much for sharing that, Joe. I think that that's a really powerful partnership that you've put together with kind of the professional associations, you know, the academy you mentioned, and this focus on on ongoing professional development as as the core of keeping the the skill sets of of the members of your profession sharp 
and, and making sure that people have the same skills, uh, regardless of whether they're in, in federal, state, uh, or, or, or other areas. Um, it's definitely uh, a big um, area focus. Chad, I, I wanted to bring you in on this, this same question as well, you know, kind of what have you and the team at PMA been doing uh, to support the, the development and support of your members? I know that you all recently uh, have entered into a partnership agreement with with the Internal Revenue Service, um, and so there may be some some other things cooking as well. Yeah, thanks. Um, so twenty twenty year twenty twenty one was a huge year for us. Um, well, it was our you know our fortieth anniversary celebration. Um, we you know completely reorganized um, the association. We have a brand new look and site for our members. Um, and we've brought on some additional uh, benefits and things for them. Um, we've been um, only meeting virtually. Unfortunately, the Internal Revenue Service does not have the capacity to release managers to attend meetings offsite. Um, so PMA always was like a roadshow. We used to travel quite a bit um, to all of these offices to see our members um, where they were working. Um, and so moving into this virtual environment was new for us um, and we've gotten pretty good at it. Um, this summer, we were really excited to have former NASA astronaut Mike Massimino come um, and talk to our members about leading across um, distance and in isolation um, based upon like his experiences in, in space, which is I think probably the most extreme form of both of those kinds of leadership. Um, you know, and then when we were thinking about like how to develop our programming, realizing that the, you know, our, our, our membership and the service had this wide ranging brief to deliver COVID stimulus aid, as well as the tax season, um, we needed to really focus on some like resilient support kind of things that managers uh, tend to skip over in their continuing education plan each year. Um, so um, if that was, uh, you know, lessons on self-care, um, the, we had mediators come to talk about like the art of forgiveness um, and things like that to improve like emotional intelligence and the way that teams can communicate. Um, and so, you know, th thinking through all of that um, led to, like you had mentioned, Jason, um, us executing a PMA's very first consultative agreement with the IRS that formalized our relationship. Um, and then that began a very quick and very rapid pace this autumn. Um, of PMA being brought in to give resources to the agency um, more broadly, not just for our members. Um, so this is in support of the IRS's existing geographic leadership communities, which are these uh, regional communities of cr like cross-functional leadership. Um, so we'll provide content there. Um, and then also to help the service in uh, meeting uh, and filling sort of like skills gaps um, as the service is modernizing and changing. So, um, you know, we have the increasingly electronic delivery of the tax system. And so as we have fewer and fewer paper form receipts, uh, we have now entire categories of workers, thousands of workers who won't have jobs um, and the agency needs help reskilling them. Um, so PMA entered into a partnership with the American Public University System um, in order to develop custom content um, to make little on-ramps, educational on-ramps, so those managers can qualify for jobs and other roles inside of the service. Um, it's, been, it's been really very busy. Um, we actually, and we finished our six-month celebration of our, of our anniversary at the White House. Um, we were 
honored to be invited to a bill signing for legislation we worked on. So, you know, we felt like PMA had finally arrived, um, you know, and getting to meet the president and give out our brand new business cards to Vice President Harris was very exciting for us. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that's really awesome, Chad, and uh, kudos for the, the progress made here for the PMA and and we're going to talk a little bit more about the future 2022 for PMA and our other guests after our final uh, break and a word from our sponsor. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the last segment of our show. Uh, and we've we've talked a lot about what's gone on over the course of the past year with our, our guests from Napa, from Big, from PMA, from NAFV. Uh, and I wanted to spend this last segment here in our last show of 2021 uh, talking about those issues over the horizon, uh, what your organizations have in store for 2022 some big issues that that you're paying attention to. Uh, And then, of course, we want to find out and make sure our listeners know how they can connect with you and your organizations so they can find out more. Um, So, uh, Brenna, maybe maybe we'll start with you on this one. Uh, Kind of what's over the horizon for for the Academy for, for 2022? So we recently just updated our strategic plan um, and worked in close uh, contact with our fellows to um, update our vision statement, um, which now focuses the academy towards a just, fair, and inclusive government that strengthens community and protects democracy. So we've been doing a little bit of that looking out at the horizon and what does that look like? Um, And I think with that vision in mind, 2022, we'll be focused on a on a number of things, but some that worth mentioning, I believe, are um, our key initiative uh, of the expanding the Center for Intergovernmental Partnerships, as I mentioned, again, thinking about this whole continuum and how to, to maximize the learning that that um, can inform decisions at the federal level and um, and make the make government at all levels more effective. Um, I certainly think we're going to be looking at taking an agile approach to government, um, again, drawing on the partnership we have with the IBM Center for the Business of Government and uh, the applying those principles um, and really recognizing the need to identify those in intergovernmental solutions and thinking about the critical needs that, that need to be addressed, COVID relief, uh, social equity, um, and certainly infrastructure, we top of mind, um, and doing that with that real focus on the customer. Um, additionally, I think, we're, well, I don't think, I know we're continuing to work on funded studies that um, address a number of those, as we said, the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion issues, ensuring a safe and equitable environment for the federal workforce. Um, and again, to, to, to put that, that vision to mind of being just, fair, and inclusive. Um, we're looking forward to assisting agencies with building more capacity 
um, as we always do in our uh, or attempt to do in our, our funded work, study work, um, identifying innovative solutions and driving performance. And a couple of rep uh, reports that I know we will be releasing in 2022 include utilizing death data to reduce improper payments, uh, working uh, closely with uh, the Social Security Administration. Uh, we're working on an assessment of the cultural competency of the U.S. Coast Guard Academy. Um, and we're also working uh, with uh, Department of Homeland Security and their cybersecurity infrastructure, infrastructure security uh, agency, um, working, looking at the development of a federal strategy for cybersecurity workforce. Um, so something that I think we would all be very appreciative of, of making progress on. Um, I mean, I think all of these really rely on the input from federal employees and, and they have the potential to significantly impact the, the workforce as we know it. Um, and we're really looking forward to engaging on these topics as well as, as others that are coming down the pike. Um, I would also just say that we will we'll be tying all of these with the 12 grand challenges, the public administration that we've been working on as well, uh, working closely with a number of partners and fellows to help think through how we can tackle those issues um, and make progress as well. Um, so it's just a matter of kind of keeping up on the momentum of a really busy 2021. Um, and uh, we look forward to staying busy. Um, I won't forget the plug. I really do hope that that you'll go to NapaWash.org. Um, you can take a look at uh, the studies we've been working on, the work that's been going on in the Agile Government Center, this, and uh, the, the grand challenges and uh, the CIP as well. So um, I think that's it. I, th I think we'll be busy. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, just a couple things. Uh, Brenda Hensman and the team of the National Academy of Public Administration, thanks so much. Uh, NapaWash.org, thank you for being here with us, being a partner in Fed Forum. Alice, um, uh, from BIG, what, what's over the horizon for, for 22 for Blacks in Government? Blacks in Government, as uh, stated earlier, we were founded uh, as an advocacy as an advocate organization. And that's what we will be con we continue to focus on. Um, we have provided workshops for members and non-members. Uh, they can be located uh, on our bignet.org. But um, as we move forward in 2022, we will continue to be an advocate. We will continue to offer workshop, I mean webinars to members, non-members. We will contender, we will continue to form partnership with organizations to get blacks and government's name out there to help promote our goals and objectives. Um, we will have our national training conference um, in August. It will be scheduled tentatively in person, uh, still trying to decide if it will be a, um, a hybrid maybe with in-person and uh, online, don't know. So, but we're doing that and we're, we're here. We ask anyone who needs assistance, be it federal, state, local, associate member, who needs help to reach out to Blights in government. 
um, blacks in government is open to everyone as long as you believe in the philosophy of our organizations and our goals and objectives. Here again, advocacy, 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 career development, career development, reach back, pull someone up. We have, we're on the move with our now generation. We have a future leaders. We have partnered with HBCUs to develop our certification for the Darlene Young Leadership Academy. So we're on the move. We're doing a lot of uh wonderful things. We are partnering with agencies to help them develop a model EEL program via the MD-715 from our national to our chapter levels. We're going to the grassroots. I mean, we're just, we're on the move. We're excited. And we ask that you please go to bignet.org, look us up. And if you need us, send me a text message at nationalbigeo at gmail.com or here again, just reach out to anyone. We have um, chapters, regions. We have chapters all over the country. We have 11 regions to include some overseas as well as our national organization. We are a advocate, nonprofit. So please reach out to Big because we want to eradicate and eliminate discrimination as well as create job opportunities for members and non-members. So please reach out to us. And here again, thank you all for having us. We enjoy our partnership and we hope that we can continue to collaborate as we do with our federal agencies at federal, state, local as well. Thank you again for having Big. Oh, Alice, thank you so much. And, and the, the important work that you and the team at BIG do. Thank you for the, infor, the information and the invitation for folks uh, to connect. Um, uh, Chad, uh, I know you talked about this a little uh, with your exciting agreement with the IRS and some of the partnership that you've got going on, but what else is on the horizon for PMA in 2022? Uh, thanks, Jason. I um you know, what we think about our work internally and externally, um, I'm thrilled to hear uh, that big in Napa, it sounds like we're all trying to move the same ball forward. Um, and that's what I love about Fed Forum uh, is that I get to learn that we're all working together on the same thing. Um, you know, we and PMA are uh, prioritizing, pressing for a comprehensive and durable change um, when it comes to DEIA within the IRS. Um, the IRS workforce struggles um, with discrimination in certain forms um, and the experiences of our members could use some improvement. Um, we want to make leadership attractive to candidates, um, particularly our colleagues of color, our colleagues of marginalized gender. Um, and so that's top of mind for 2022. Um, and our other big initiative will be to help personalize the state of the American tax infrastructure. Um, so the uh, individual and business master files will turn 60 years old next year. Um, they're the oldest continually operating computing system in any government. So we're number one in something. Um, and so that horrifying statistic, uh, we want each member of Congress to understand in, in a way that is personal to them. And so we want them to be able to appreciate how that hampers our members' ability to provide top quality service and ensure equitable enforcement. Internally, um, we're really stressing um, through this consultative agreement, um, our educational partnership expansions um, to help the agency supplement um, 
it's manager development programming. So, you know, in January, we're kicking that off. Um, we're going to train 185 managers um, in submission processing. That's the part of the IRS that processes everyone's tax returns. Um, and then helping our members better understand the performance review process um, for themselves. Uh, the performance management system for managers doesn't get a lot of attention inside of the agency. And we want um, them to understand uh, how, the, how they get rated. Um, and so those, those are sort of our big bright line messages for 22. Um, and you can always keep an eye on what we're up to at promanager.org. Thank you so much, Chad from PMA for all the work that you are doing and, and the team, Joe, I need you to, to be a lightning round for me here. Um, as we're, we're really tight on time, uh, what are you looking at for, for NAFV and 22 and, and where can folks find out more information about the important work that you're doing at the national association of federal veterinarians? Well, we're looking at nothing less than supporting the mission of stamping out disease and pestilence at the human and animal interface. So no small task, but we're doing that through legislative issues that puts emphasis on collaboration across all of government to address emerging diseases using a One Health approach. Collaboration among our other uh, employee organizations to ensure funding for certain things like a, a wildlife laboratory in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, that uh, is much like the IRS computer system, uh, has been in existence a very long time without much updating. Uh, we've discovered that white-tailed deer can be infected with COVID-19. So we need our wildlife laboratories to be funded appropriately to deal with that. And then lastly, uh, the NAFB priorities are recognition of the work that federal and state veterinarians do, increase the um, number uh, of, of veterinarians to accomplish the ever-expanding mission that we've talked about here, retention in hard-to-fill locations and positions, and finally, specialty pay, special pay, and professional pay to attract the best and brightest into federal service um, and, and not working in the, uh, the, the private sector uh, where here we've got a much bigger uh, impact. And to find out more information about what federal veterinarians do and what NAFV is doing, uh, the website is nafv.org. Awesome. Uh, Joe Anelli uh, from NAFV, Chad Hooper from PMA, Brenna Isman from, from Napa, Alice Mercer from Big. Thank you all for being with us. Thank you for being awesome partners of the Fed, the Fed Forum. Uh, those can, people uh, can check it out on fedmanager.com. That's all the time we have for you today. Fed Talk is brought to you by the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Have a great weekend, and thanks to our partners again.